0: Live from the First Midwest Bank Studio on State Street, this is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Jonathan Hood, WMVP Chicago.
1: Under the Hood with
0: Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood.
2: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. So glad that you're with us. Baseball, we know it's going to be right around the corner. We just don't know when the games will be played. Turn to David Schoenfield, who covers Major League Baseball for ESPN.com. And Dave joins us here front of the program on ESPN 1000. Dave, thanks for being with us.
3: Hey, thanks for the invite. I'm sure like you guys we're itching to get sports back on the calendar. But, man, I don't know when it's going to be, but it can't be soon enough, that's for sure.
2: As someone that is a avid baseball fan, how how much are you itching for it? Because uh, with the with COVID nineteen and the postponements, everything okay at your home?
3: Yeah, we're all good here in Connecticut. Um taking the dogs out on a lot of walks so that, so they're enjoying that. <laughs> My wife is home. I'm usually here so it's not a big change for me, but uh yeah, I don't know. I'm watching all these old games on ESPN and MLB Network. So, you know, that's kind of enjoyable looking back at, at uh, what happened 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, but uh I guess the real thing Two thousand twenty baseball would be a little more
2: exciting. I, I totally understand. Um boy, those <laughs> those Royals back in the day were pretty good. I watched that on the MLB network uh in the eighties. Boy, you know, that those are some special teams back then. And and it shows you, by the way, couldn't baseball use a George Brett in twenty twenty? The dynamic sure. I mean, in that market, but yet that that particular personality, gritty Hard nose, big spots against the Yankees, I saw a yearbook of the Yan- of the um of the Royals from the early eighties. Boy, what a great player he was
3: George I had a poster of him in my bedroom as a kid, and I was the Mariners fan, as you know, mm-hmm. not a royals fan, but George Brett that guy had so many big moments in his career um in the playoffs, especially plus we have the pine Tar game that everyone remembers, but that guy his clutch. You know, he had a three homer game one year in the playoffs. He had a mammoth home run off Gossage in the playoffs in 1980 that sent the Royals to the World Series. 1985, he had one game against the Blue Jays in the ALCS where I think he went four for four or four for five. He had a big World Series that year when they finally won. He won three batting titles in three different decades. Yeah, what, you know, hit 390, of course, in 1980. Yeah, what a player from our youth.
2: God, what a what a terrific player. Um, I'll ask you this, Dave. What's your gut feeling on baseball when it does return starting off playing in empty stadiums? Is that something that Manfred will consider, or is he waiting for this pandemic to go over the curve and then we get fans back?
3: Well, look, you know, they they're reviewing every possible scenario, you know, from, you know, the worst case, of course, would be no season at all let's hope and pray that doesn't happen, but yeah, I, I think, you know, we've heard enough comments from the league and even the players to suggest, yeah, they would consider, you know, doing that to start things off. You know, one thing you're hearing the players say is we want to get as many games in as possible. No playing in empty stadiums, obviously not ideal, but you know, from the financial end you at least get some of that TV money starting to kick in. So let's not, let's understand the real world here. It's still a business, but you know, what we'll take to get to plain and empty stadiums, you know, I don't know. We're too, too far away. I think to even to speculate on, on that happening.
2: Could you foresee a mini uh, spring training before the season starts, whatever it is, July, june july whatever i was wondering do you think that there still needs to be a primer for some of the players to get themselves ready
3: yeah i think so that's kind of really the great unknown certainly everybody probably agrees you need to have some time to get the pitchers to get ready you know they were what were we about three quarters or two thirds of the way through spring training but now there's this dead time certainly they're going to be trying to throw a little bit on the side, but that's not easy when you're stuck in your house. You might not have a catcher to throw to unless you can get to a facility. Um, so, yeah, you know, I know I saw the Blue Jays president last week say they would need a month. I think they would not go a month. That's, that's a lot of time, you know, assuming, you know, the doors are open for baseball to resume as normal. But two or three weeks, you might need that. I think you could expand the rosters, at the start of the season, maybe you have a 30-man roster with more pitchers to, you know, kind of protect the pitchers those first, you know, two or three weeks when play does
2: resume. David Schoenfield from ESPN with us as we talk baseball with Jonathan Hood and under the hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Dave, I-, I talked about this over the weekend. I'm a little concerned about the future of Major League Baseball's draft. It's never been a great television event because we have so many high school kids that the nation doesn't know. There's some hot phenoms that we'll see as well. Uh, is So is this on the table that the, the draft will be shortened? It will be not the, the long, drawn-out draft that we've seen before, but just five or six rounds?
3: Well, yeah. I, I Everything seems to be pointing in that direction for the obvious reason that you, you're going to save money. Um, you're going to be given out fewer bonuses, obviously, you know, and it looks like some of those bonuses would be uh, spread out, you know, to, um, over a certain amount of calendar time rather than just paid up front. Um, so, yeah, that would, uh, you know, screw the players in the 2020 draft. Um, it might They might not even get as large of a bonus. I'm not sure how that would work, you know, because we kind of have – the way the draft is set up, your bonus is basically set to what your draft slot is. Um, so there's not really a lot of negotiating that goes on there. Maybe they would keep those bonuses the same, but it's paid out over a year instead of up front. I don't know. But, yeah, um, I don't think we're going to see a 35-round you know, draft or however long it goes these days. It might only be you know a few rounds.
2: Well, um, okay, so – According to a couple of places I've read, cutting the draft to five rounds would be reducing the draft in one year by 86%. Last year, there were 167 players taken in the top five rounds. There were 1,217 players drafted overall and 960 players were signed. I guess the, the point is, is that I I look at this and there have been diamonds in the rough that have been drafted in some of these late rounds. And I, I think that's unfair for those players. And I want to know what that does to the minor leagues too, because those guys need a place to play.
3: No, well, look, you know, there's multiple ripple effects there, right? Beginning with what does even happen to the minor leagues this year. We're all worried about oh, the yeah. majors, but the minors are in the same boat. You know, I know I read a quote from one executive the other day that they felt it was important to get that new influx of players. You can't go a year without having any new players, because then you end up with kind of roadblocks on teams next year if you have, you know, sort of two years' worth of prospects entering the system all at once. So I do think they want some new players entering. Yeah, if you don't have enough players to fill out a rookie league team, I don't know, it could be a break for some guys who might otherwise, you know, be cut loose, you know, what would normally happen at the end of spring training. Some guys might, you know, see a, you had a nice, couple years in the minors, but you hit 203 last year. You're getting cut. Maybe that guy gets another chance. But, yeah, you could certainly lose out. Uh, you know, look at Mike Piazza. What was he, you know, 60th-round pick or whatever. That kind of guy not going to get drafted this year and may never get a chance. You know, we do have some backups. You can go to independent ball and stuff like that down the road. But there's no doubt some future major leaguers probably will never get that opportunity in pro ball you know, because of what's going on.
2: This to, to me, you always look at money with this, Dave. So I'm thinking, are, is baseball trying to make this more of a television event? Like, like the NBA and the NFL, where they shorten the rounds, there'd be more interest. Cause again, I might be in the weeds on some of these guys and know who they are. And you may, but I don't know if the nation does.
3: Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say, look, they've been trying to build up the draft for a few years now. and, Let's be honest, it's never going to catch on like NFL or NBA. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's certainly a small uh, base of fanatical college baseball fans, you know, but there's not a large enough where the draft is ever going to be a big deal, let alone all the high school players So you've never heard of, right? Unless you're really following, you know, the, the prospect reports or the scouting reports. So, um, yeah, this year in particular, it's going to be even – stranger and moron um, but I don't think the draft even next year two years three years down the road it's it's never going to be what we see in the other sports
2: okay my last in the weeds question I have for you Dave is <laughs> um wondering if in if I'm going too deep you tell me just stop me so I just want to <laughs> know from, from a from a a, a butts and seats standpoint because we don't have games how much is this hurting uh the bottom line revenue wise for baseball because you know, we're talking about regional contracts and what's going on with each team, but is this really hurting baseball, or will it, when will it start hurting baseball with there with being no games and no fans?
3: Yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you. Um, you know, unless you're a lawyer and you have the particulars of how these TV contracts work, I can't give you a good answer. You know, now a lot of teams – either own their regional networks or have a share in their networks. So that clearly is lost revenue. But if it's, you know, if you're in a contract with with a partner, I'm not sure how that lost revenue <laughs> is going to be recovered. You know, what kind of clauses are in these contracts? It gets very complicated. You know, let, let's be honest here. The TV money is a l- lot larger than the gate revenue the gate revenue is it's certainly important but that's really a fairly small chunk of the overall pie it's that tv revenue that's more important and that's why they would consider playing games in front of uh, you know empty stadiums
0: this is under the hood with jonathan hood on ESPN 1000 chicago's home for sports this is chicago's home for sports Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app.
2: You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. David hey, Schoenfield from ESPN with us as we talk baseball with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand-new ESPN Chicago app. The, uh, the Cubs have luck, lucked out on this, by the way. They still don't have a deal with Xfinity. Comcast, so there's, there's no games, and not a lot of people can see it right now. Uh,
3: yeah, no, <laughs> and you know, look, it, 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 even think of the logistical issues of shooting in front of empty stadiums. Well, you got to screen all the cameramen, right? There's still ball boys and umpires and trainers and broadcasters that are going to have some kind of contact with the players. The players themselves have to be screened from each other. You know, I'm assuming... You know, we, we start while well, the virus is still out there in, in some status, you know. So there's, there's a million little pieces of logistical, you know, background that would have to go on before you can start playing.
2: David Schoenfield, who covers Major League Baseball for ESPN, joins me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. This is not anything that I was uh, predicting, but when you saw the violent wind-up and pitch from Chris Sale, I mean, you, you kind of knew, didn't you, Dave? I mean, you weren't rooting for it, but for him to go on Tommy John, that just the awkward way that Sale would deliver his pitches, it wasn't like the normal windup. It was always violent. It was always an odd angle. And now he's got Tommy John. I can't say I'm overly surprised. It's just disappointing, I guess, if you're a Red Sox fan.
3: No, no, it's too bad, you know, we've had, what, three superstar pitchers go down this spring with Sale and Syndergaard, and uh, somebody else went down, too, with Tommy John surgery, I'm blanking, but, yeah, you know, it really, ever since he came up with the White Sox, people have predicted Tommy John surgery's going to happen, and part, it, I think it looks a little more violent, because he's so thin, you know, kind of makes it look like a more aggressive, out-of-control delivery, I would say, than it was, but... Really, going back to the end of 2018 when they won the World Series and he kind of missed the last couple months of that season, you know, he did come back last year and made 25 starts, I think, before he kind of finally sat on the shelf. But, yeah, no, no surprise uh, that it was going to happen, um, unfortunately.
2: We've asked the question uh, already here as we wait for the season to start about the difference in the Cubs and the White Sox and which team could win the division first. And and actually, you know, Dave, I, I gave a little bit of an edge to the Cubs in that I'm wondering is there a boon like um uh type of influence that David Ross can bring to this Cubs team? Like maybe he's the guy to give the Cubs a kick in the pants that they need. They've been, they've underachieved for about two years here and, and Ross, even though inexperienced, a different guy than he was at ESPN, different guy as a player just wondering, if, if can he be the motivating factor for the core of this Cubs team?
3: Yeah, I, I think there's two things there. You know, it, it's pretty clear that that relationship between the players and Madden, let's just say, wasn't as productive as it had once been. And that's not blaming Madden. It's not blaming the players. Sometimes things just run their course. You know, there's no doubt Ross, even though he played with you know, a lot of these guys is going to come in and, you know, kick their rear ends a little more than Joe Madden was willing to do. Um, so I think, yeah, that'll help. And I pointed this out, you know, Jonathan, is people look at what happened last year. Their core was actually pretty good. Schwarber and Rizzo and Bryant and those guys, they were fine. They weren't all great. A couple, Schwarber had his best year. Bryant didn't, you know. But it's really the bench players and some of the secondary players and some of the relievers that were really bad. So I think the key to the Cubs this year, whenever the season gets started, is sort of how those second tier players do. You know, and that's I I think they'll be better, and that's why I think they they can win that division for sure.
2: Any way that you can measure the difference between Girardi and Boone when they were when Girardi's with the Yankees and Boone? Because I was I was wondering if there's a parallel there with. Madden and um, and Ross, like Madden, obviously is the ultimate player's manager. It's a different because Girardi's a little bit more of a kick-ass manager. But I wonder what Boone brought to the table as someone that was um, not a manager, didn't have, does not have the experience, and now going to be in his third year.
3: Yeah, you know, that's a that's a good question. Girardi, I think, was probably viewed as a little harder line early on in his career. I think towards the end of his Yankee days, I'd kind of heard he'd kind of, I don't want to say tuned out, although that was the word that one Yankee beat reporter told me a couple years ago. Um, And he also knew his contract was up and that the Yankee, you know, Brian Cashman, the GM was kind of down on him. So I think that last year in New York, even though they did make the playoffs under Girardi, they'd kind of, you know, he kind of knew he was out the door. Boone for sure. Players manager, a little younger, um, you know, connects really well with the young guys. I remember being in spring training the first year he was hired, and he's talking to everybody, you know, the rookies, the veterans, the minor leaguers, you know, he's got a lot of enthusiasm. Um, So that was – but it's always – you're always going to replace a type A manager with a different type, right, Mm -hmm. Um, or the opposite. So I think that's what the Cubs were looking for, a different kind of manager than than, uh, Joe Madden.
2: And lastly, on the White Sox, who's that one player you're looking forward to seeing with the White Sox, and why is it Lewis Robert?
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, really, the White Sox. So this is why this is why we need baseball to get back because I want to watch the White Sox, and I haven't said that. In a long time, you right? Said, you have, have, you <laughs> haven't said that
2: since 83, I don't think.
3: <laughs> That's a
2: good team. Well, come on. They won a World Series there. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but nobody nobody saw Jermaine die coming. Nobody no. saw. I mean, that, out, of, out of all the years I've been waiting for the White Sox, my team, to win the World Series, 05 snuck up on me like everybody else. Nobody saw Scott Pesetnik did, no, doing that, what that, he's doing. That
3: one did. Although I was doing some research on a project I'm working on. In 1990, the White Sox had three uh, of the best prospects in baseball, Robin Ventura, Frank Thomas, and you'll remember Wilson Alvarez, who, sure. who had a decent career, but not mm-hmm. quite what we thought he might be. But then that year, 1990, that summer, they drafted Alex Fernandez, who basically went straight to the majors. So they had those four young, exciting you know, players, and that's that reminds me of where they're at now with this young core and that team in the 90s would they make the playoffs at 93 they lost to the blue jays and they had yes. the strike year so that team kind of didn't quite become well what it we, could have been we were right? supposed
2: to we were supposed to beat the expos in 94 but it didn't happen yeah
3: <laughs> that was probably the best team of that generation yeah, yeah the season got wiped out but similar you have this young core; it's very exciting yeah lewis robert um, I want to see if Tim Anderson can do it again. Jimenez, with a year under his belt, can he? You know, uh, you know. Well, I won't say hit forty because he's not going to play that many games, but forty homer potential. Um, yeah. So let's play baseball. I want to see those kids play. <laughs>
2: okay. Uh, is there anything you're working on, or are you just are you waiting for for a new story? <laughs> no, well, we're
3: finding ways to to stay busy here. Uh, yeah. So what I was actually working on for I think next week is. Uh, uh, the most hyped prospect in each team's uh franchise history, although the Ooh. white sox don 't have like a clear you know who was their most hyped prospect ever, maybe Moncada right because he was uh, the number one overall prospect in the game
0: Joe Borchard
3: uh, yeah, uh, Borchard, I thought about him because he had a huge signing I think he had a record signing bonus at the time because he 'd been a quarterback at Stanford, so they had to buy him out of football um yeah, it's a tough one, but uh, so that's kind of what I'm working on right now.
2: The White Sox, are, for historically, have always been that franchise in which the player asks the agent, where can I play, and the agent says Chicago, and the guy goes, oh, great, Cubs? Nope, White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, a, if you go a... back to the 50s,
3: the, the White Sox were uh, much more glamorous than, than the Cubs, but uh, yeah, the last uh, last three decades, maybe not quite so much.
2: I love talking baseball with you, Dave. And I just I needed this because uh, we're waiting for the sports to come back, and it just gets my um, juices flowing once again for baseball whenever it returns.
3: Yeah, I know. I as we uh, talk here, they are watching Game Seven of the 1997 World Series, which it's better than nothing. But yeah, come on, 2020, let's get going.
2: As always, I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much. All right, you bet. David Schoenfield from ESPN uh, talking baseball right here on ESPN 1000 and under the hood.
0: This is under the hood with Jonathan hood. Hi everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Wrestling fans. Are you ready? This is Tuesday. You
2: people bought a ticket to see me.
0: Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood.
2: First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly,
3: low-class, redneck goose. That's what I think you
0: are. Yeah, I put it, I know I put it, but I'm most of all the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way, and all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is... And all my magnificent you're going to be mine all night long. Woo.
2: Here's Jonathan Hood. Welcome in to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and uh, the ESPN Chicago app. I ask you to go to YouTube, YouTube.com, look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. You can subscribe to our YouTube page, and of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT, against Wrestling TWT. every Tuesday. We give you the best in uh, sports entertainment slash pro wrestling conversation right here on ESPN 1000. Of course, this is WrestleMania weekend, but does it feel like WrestleMania weekend? Here's the story. So WrestleMania 36, this was emanate from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, is not happening, obviously, because of COVID-19. All the sports entertainment has been shut down uh, across the country, around the world because of COVID-19. But Vince McMahon was like one of the last ones to finally come to grips with the fact that his big event cannot be in this seventy, eighty thousand 80,000-seat stadium. And so there was questions on whether or not they would have their show at the Performance Center, which is their training facility in Orlando, Florida. Well, of course, in Florida, even though you do still see some people on the beaches uh, in Florida from time to time, I saw that as of this weekend, uh, this past weekend, uh, they can't have their show at the Performance Center. They can't have it at the full sale gym, uh, the university that they uh, play in for NXT on Wednesday. So. They had to come up with something totally different for WrestleMania 36. And I don't know what this is going to look like this weekend, but here's what we do know. WrestleMania 36 will not be at Raymond James Stadium. It'll still be hosted by Rob Gronkowski from the New England Patriots for a long time. And it's going to be a two-night event. And this has been something that's been suggested for a while now, that WrestleMania, because it's so long, that it should be a two night event, very similar to New Japan pro wrestling and what what they do in Tokyo, the Tokyo Dome. Instead of having one long day of wrestling starting at what, two or three o'clock in the afternoon, lasting until twelve midnight, break it up into two nights, and this is exactly what they're doing. The only thing is is that I don't know where any of this is emanating from. I don't know how where these matches are going to be, but they're going to take place somehow, some way. And I don't know what the main event is. I do know what the card is, though, and I think it's very interesting. Even though it will not uh, take place in an arena filled with fans or a stadium filled with fans, we do know that WrestleMania 36 will take place. And at the top of the card, Brock Lesnar, the WWE champion, will take on Drew McIntyre. I think the build for this has been pretty good um because Brock Lesnar of course is the apple of Vince McMahon's eye he's been with the company for such a long time and very polarizing because you don't see him all the time on WWE programming they keep him special like Andre the Giant where you didn't see Andre every single week on WWE programming unless there was some big program point is, though, that Brock Lesnar is going to take on Drew McIntyre. Drew is a wrestler that's been around for a long time uh, that is getting, really, his second opportunity to make it to the top of the ranks in the WWE. Well, he definitely will as he takes on Brock Lesnar. Clearly, the company feels good about Drew McIntyre and the success that he's had the second time around the WWE. So, there he is. Brock Lesnar against Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. Roman Reigns, another story here. Roman Reigns, who... Uh, had cancer, stepped away from wrestling for a while, has returned, but will not be part of the Universal Championship matchup against Goldberg. Goldberg right now is the Universal Champion. And you just kind of knew that if Roman Reigns is going to pull out, they're going to find someone different. There's a number of wrestlers on this card that will not be part of it because of COVID-19, the fear of COVID-19, or because what Roman Reigns is going through. It's such a, a head-scratcher for me that the WWE really didn't go into why Roman Reigns was not available initially but it's pretty clear that he's concerned about his health uh, his autoimmune system he wants to make sure that he's good and so he's not going to be part of Wrestlemania this year as he's supposed to take on Goldberg it'll be someone but it's not um, Roman Reigns taking on Goldberg for the Universal Championship. I think the best build for Wrestlemania 36 has been Edge against Randy Orton in that's a last man standing match Edge has been a way for 8-9 years away from wrestling because of Uh, neck injuries, uh, injuries he suffered in the ring. And to see Edge back here after eight or nine years to take on Randy Orton, the build has been tremendous from both of these guys. Um, While Edge's return at the Royal Rumble was truly shocking, his decision to beat Randy Orton to the punch and turning and eliminating him before the Viper could strike was a really good moment um, in the Royal Rumble. And now they're going to take on one another. Um, Edge's wife, Beth Phoenix has been involved in this. So, This feels like WrestleMania. This feels like the best thing on the card to me because of the back and forth. If you've been watching the storylines on YouTube or watching Monday Night Raw, it has been an interesting build uh, to say the least between these two. Um, Looking at John Cena against Bray Wyatt, the fiend in a firefly funhouse match. Okay. So once again, I don't know what we're going to see from this these two, but Cena against Bray Wyatt should be very interesting to see. I just think that WrestleMania will be interesting. We just don't know where these matches will be housed. We're glad that you're with us here for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago uh, app. We go now to... Oh, my God, Richard Deitch from the Sports Media Podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, look for the Sports Media Podcast with Richard Deitch, and he joins us right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Huge wrestling fan. He joins us here on ESPN 1000. Richard Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time.
1: You got it. Thanks for the invite.
2: Absolutely. I want to find out, first and foremost, what's going on with you and your family in Toronto uh, because we saw a story about what is going on uh, in the city. What is the latest uh, what's going on where you are?
1: Well, um, you know, sort of in general, the, the 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 two countries, the United States and Canada, are very different. One first and foremost size and population obviously makes a big difference. So the same issues that are happening in the United States are happening here. They're just sort of uh, writ smaller a little bit. In terms of the city of Toronto, you know, we've, uh, we've had school closed now for three-plus weeks. Uh, essentially, you are limited – in terms of uh leaving your home to uh sort of essentials, you know, pharmacy, grocery, etc. Uh city of Toronto today actually just uh, issued an edict where they're not going to have any kind of public gatherings for uh you know, more than like uh 10 or 20 people or so until middle of June. Doesn't necessarily uh at the moment uh count sports, but it, it would be very surprising to me if um if anything in the city in terms of major sporting events happens before late in the summer. So like everyone else, you know, where we're in lockdown here, I find that Canadians are uh, by and large listening to the medical officials and listening to health officials. One big difference, and it's a big one, it's an important one. The, um, uh, the, how do I sort of say the the political discourse and the, and the, um, and the political issues that exist right now in the United States, Generally speaking, are not overshadowing uh, what health officials are telling us in Canada, and it makes a big difference. There's, there's much more sort of, of a unifying um, a unifying sense of following the guidelines from medical officials as opposed to politicizing everything. So that's that's one major difference: is that we're not getting nearly any kind of politics here that obviously all you guys in the states are seeing every day.
2: Just an aside to that, um, because of this edict that was brought down, Richard, that means, say baseball does return, and again, we don't know when, but if baseball does return, was that say for the Blue Jays, even if it's an empty stadium?
1: Yeah, I would honestly be very, very surprised if somehow baseball is played in the city of Toronto before, uh, I mean, at the earliest, late July. And I, I would honestly say that's probably too early. I I don't think you'll see games at the Rogers Center uh, anytime soon. The big question, obviously, for baseball is if they decide to do this, uh, you know, at a neutral site, like where could they do it? And to me, and I'm only talking specific to baseball now, I think the problem with baseball is, you know, you would initially think, okay, maybe they can play games in Florida. Well, I think I think anybody who's sort of paying attention, epidemiologists and reading knows that Florida is going to be. Uh, one of the really really severely bad places over the next couple weeks. So maybe you go to Arizona in July or August I don't know you know we'll, we'll sort of have to see how that state does but I, I honestly would be stunned if um, if we're seeing baseball uh, played in Toronto and in, in June or July and I would guess just given the natures of the sport, I, I would expect basketball or hockey to return before baseball uh, it just it just strikes me that that those sports, because they're indoors less roster size would be more realistic. But again, I, I think, you know, and I know you guys are dealing with this in, in Chicago. I, I just think you should err on the side of whatever you think sports are coming back. I, I would add a couple of weeks or months from that. that. That's what I think will ultimately happen.
2: Richard Dyke from the sports media podcast. You could download that wherever you download your podcast. You can find his work and the athletic.com. He joins me, Jonathan hood for Tuesday, wrestling Tuesday, right here on ESPN 1000. So, when it comes to Dana White and Vince McMahon, they still want to have their way, Richard. Um, I, I'm going to ask you, this weekend we're going to get WrestleMania for two days. Should WrestleMania even take place this weekend?
1: I don't think it should, but I'm not going to be one of those people who are sort of going to the mountaintop and sort of screaming, uh, you know, how dare you to Vince McMahon, et cetera. You know, it, it's a private company. And ultimately, he's going to be the decision maker. They are claiming the WWE that they're taking all sorts of safety precautions um, for the wrestlers, uh, as they should. I, I, the reason why I say that is it's not that I don't want to see WrestleMania, of course. Like, you know, I, I appreciate uh, what the what the performers are doing. And I appreciate everybody who's working on the product, putting it together. It just strikes me that given the size of the production, it's inconceivable that you can really limit the um, you know, that kind of contact between, you know, less than 50 people. Uh, just think of how much it would take to put on WrestleMania, even in, uh, even if it's at the Performance Center. And it just feels like there's just too many people around to pull that off. That said, the WWE has been very, very public about, you know, where um, we, we have medical people there. We're taking temperatures. We're making sure we have social distancing. But, you know, in the ring, there's no social distancing. So... Uh, it. it it's, it, I'm a little uneasy with it. At the same time, um, I, I do think they will provide something really important to um, to wrestling fans, and it, it will be like two days of of new content and something to not think about the coronavirus. So, I, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite here. I'm also a little bit torn because I do think there's value in what they're doing. At the same time, it just they, they just have so many people working on this. It just I'm a little uneasy with it. So, you know, it, it, I, I, I'm of dual minds and even in my own mind I'm sort of fighting both sides of my brain on this. That's probably the most honest answer I can give you.
2: No, that that's, makes sense. Uh so this is some of the best mainstream attention the WWE's had in a long time being on Fox and ESPN leading into WrestleMania. They've had a ton of programming because we've had no sports, Fox and ESPN. So our your buddy John Oran broke the news with Fox and Fox Sports app. They're gonna have WrestleMania uh for, for 59.99 and it's not an exclusive deal and my question to you is why would you go into business with the WWE ha- having wrestlemania on your fox sports app when it's not exclusive it's still going to run on the wwe network do you pay 59.99 or 9.99 on the wwe network
1: <laughs> you All just right? answer your own question it's like you know it's like why would you put ketchup in coffee well i wouldn't put ketchup in coffee uh yeah i mean it, that makes no sense to me for any person going out there and buying WrestleMania on the Fox app, zero. Um, if you at this point are a wrestling fan and you are interested in WrestleMania, you most likely have the WWE network. There's a reason you have the WWE network because of what that, um, what that channel provides you. So I, like, I think Fox and ESPN have made very smart decisions in terms of re um, re airing old WrestleManias and classic, uh, you know, classic cards. That's smart. And if you look at the viewership numbers, the viewership numbers have been great. I mean, they're kicking ass. In terms of uh, replays of like the NFL right now, replays of uh, um, of other things. So that to me is very, very smart thinking by both the WWE as well as Fox and and ESPN. But yeah, I, I mean that 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 this, again, I, I I I it's just inconceivable to me that you would you would pay that kind of freight for Fox and not just go a little bit more and get the WWE network. It, it doesn't, you all. I mean it, it feels like Fox is trying to make some dollars with this, and I think that they're going to find they're not going to make many dollars with this.
2: No, it's gotta be an exclusive deal, and I know I think we've talked about this before. You know, Vince McMahon realizes that there's not enough subscribers on the WWE network, and he'd like to sell his tentpole events, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, and some of his major events, uh, and send them to the Zone, ESPN Plus, you know, the Peacock Network, or Fox, something like that. But if it's not exclusive, it doesn't make any sense. I, I thought that was a head scratcher. So
1: yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, again, unless he somehow pulls it from the WWE network, but that would be the end of the WWE network because you're not gonna you're not going to take away something that essentially is the reason that you have that uh, you know whatever that subscriber base is. Uh, but again, this my guess is it's it's part of a larger deal um, that they are aligned. To me, the more interesting thing on all this is. Now Fox paid a lot of money for the WWE and right now the viewership numbers are not good. They they have not gotten nearly what I think they thought they would. If you remember that first Fox uh Smackdown when the Rock was there and you know they had all of these major stars and I think they did over 3 million viewers and I'm sure at that night they were like, "Wow, maybe they did 4 million. I have to double check." And I'm sure all the Fox people were like, "Man, this is great. You know, we we've got something great here." Since then, you've seen what's happened to um, Smackdown. I personally believe the AEW product is superior to the WWE right now in terms of storyline, in terms of creativity, um, in terms of just interesting, interesting characters. And that's all subjective, of course. So, um, and I think USA USA Network has got itself a pretty nice deal. I'm sorry, Turner has got itself a pretty nice deal uh, with AEW. But yeah, that, if I'm Fox, I'm more concerned about, um, you know, can WWE fix its creative? To, to, to bring me some um, to bring me some better viewership. And I think, and again, I'm not saying I know how to do this be, be, because I, I don't, obviously I don't work in the business, but they, they need a Hogan or an Austin or a Rock. Like the WWE is desperate for a bell cow, and it can't be Lesnar because he's not there enough. He's also been there for a long time. It's obviously not Reigns, and I, I think he's a great performer, but he's not, he doesn't have, you know, whatever, he's not at that level, that Hogan Rock, Stone cold level and it's not Rollins who's an incredible worker but at the same time just doesn't I don't think he can carry the, the business the way those guys do. So, you know, for a while it was Becky Lynch, but they haven't really figured out what to you know, they sort of feel like they got her lost a little bit in creative. So I, I don't again, I, I'm not saying I have the answer. I don't know who it would be, but that's what I think they're really desperate for. They they really need like a cross culture kind of star like a Hogan or an Austin or a rock or maybe Cena in his prime to Uh, to sort of get people more interested in the product who are not the diehards
2: Richard Deitch with us on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 I I want to ask you about this card, Um, I was saying earlier Richard that the the one match that seems and feels like Wrestlemania, feels like something big is Edge versus Randy Orton the build for this has been tremendous is there a match in particular that you're looking forward to seeing the most out of these two nights of Wrestlemania? (laughs)
1: yeah you know to me that's actually that's a very good take by you i i that storyline's been phenomenal that they they've incorporated the past and the present i think edge has been uh he's really been great coming back um far better than i think anybody could have expected orton is always good he's just a very very good heel uh he's kind of a genius always keeps himself in great shape so i'm with you i think um you know i think that's i think that's really interesting um you know in terms of in terms of what else, I'm kind of interested to see what they do with Bray Wyatt over these two days, um, because I well, I don't love that character. I, I, I recognize that it's very unique and different, and I think a lot of people really do find that character interesting. And so I'll be curious to see um, what happens with Wyatt. I, I'm a big fan of Becky, so I, I'm, I'm certainly going to be paying attention to that match and sort of seeing how they handle that. And then obviously, finally, they—you uh, may even have the update on this. I don't know, but you know, because Reigns decided. Uh, smartly not to come because um, of just pre-existing conditions. Like, what are they going to do with that Goldberg match? Because, like, that's that's a mess right now. You know, one there's a very fair argument to be made by a lot of people saying why why is Goldberg in such a high-profile position right now? I mean, I had obviously an amazing career and was a mega mega star, but you know, it, it does. I'm not sure where it helps you in terms of like six months or a year from now. So, I'll be very curious to see, you know, sort of how they ultimately how they ultimately figure out that storyline i just again my 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 issue at the moment with wwe and and i again i i'm totally monday morning quarterback here is it just doesn't feel like they have like six months or nine months down the road in mind mm-hmm. it feels like they're just sort of on the fly week to week and you know you try to figure out like where are they going long term and I, I i think that's the challenge for creative where i think if you reverse it with AEW. um They've been brilliant in sort of using Jericho very slowly to sort of form this like, you know, superpower group against, uh, you know, Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega and that group. And so they have these factions, um, which always is like interesting television. And then they're trying to build up, you know, some other characters sort of around those factions. They're trying to build up their women's division. So they're, they're just they're interesting to me. I happen to be a huge fan of Jericho and Ambrose. I just think they're great uh characters and great promo so i'm probably a little bit of a mark for aw uh to start with but i just i think i think they're doing a great job i just think that's very very interesting at the moment compared to wwe
2: richard i'm looking forward to seeing what wrestlemania brings to the table it's going to be odd it won't be in one stadium or one arena so i'm looking forward to seeing what it it brings to the table it'll be odd and interesting at the same time either this is going to be great or awful there is no in between Uh, no i think yeah, I was going to say, I, I actually think it'll be interesting because I think it's,
1: it's incredibly it's – it's very impressive like what those people are doing with no crowd. That's almost like live theater, and it's very, very hard. What will be interesting to me, actually, Jonathan, when it comes to WrestleMania is so much of that show is pyro and entrance mm-hmm. and, and getting the crowd like really pumped the second people walk out. You see them. They can't – they have none of that here. And so that will be interesting to me is like, okay, you can't do this. So, how do you try to replicate some heat when you're walking right out of, uh, you know, walking under, under, under the curtain? Um, they'll still do the music and they'll still do that stuff, but, it, you know, you've seen it already when you watch, like, SmackDown or Raw. It's just very different walking without the crowd into the ring. So, that, I'll be real curious to see how they approach that. And if I, I'm going to take a guess, I think they will probably try to do some stuff on the walk-ins where maybe matches start early. I think they're just going to try to, you know, try to figure out how to make the match sort of really jump and get heat right away because you don't have the pyro and you don't have the music to, and you don't have the crowd, I should say, roaring to really get people into the match.
2: Richard, thanks so much as always.
1: Yeah, I always enjoy being with you, Matt. Appreciate the invite.
2: It is Richard Deitch with us here on the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, the Sports Media Podcast. downloaded wherever you download your podcasts. All right, we thank you for listening and being part of the program here on ESPN 1000. Our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to our guests, Richard Deitch, as well as uh, David Schoenfield. And uh, we got a chance to also. I'm sorry? And Bobby Carpenter. And Bobby Carpenter, yes. Bobby Carpenter was with us as well, talking some NFL draft. Eric Ostrowski, In My Ear, uh, the executive producer of our program. And don't forget, we got a full show tomorrow uh, between uh, 7 and 10. Make sure that you're with us right here. We're Alone Together on Under the Hood.